Good afternoon everyone, uh, my name is Dietmar and welcome to Dietmar's Chatterbox. Uh, I'm a South African living in London of German heritage and I have a mix, a nice mix I should say, of ideas and uh, societal experiences which I hope to be able to share on this podcast. I've been meaning to do a podcast for the last few years and decided this is now the time to do so. Uh, I hope you enjoy my uh, podcast and the series that we're going to be doing, uh, domain names and others, other stuff. Um, I'll be talking about many different topics on this uh, podcast. Some will deal with what I have the most experience in, i.e. domain names and their history. I'll also talk about a variety of other topics, including things that I'm also quite love, uh, Funko Pops, uh, or bobbleheads as they are commonly referred to, technology, maybe a little bit about politics, and other issues of the day important piece I have uh, over 19 years worth of domain experience as well as experience in the finance sector in the in politics as well as uh, currently my role is in domain name consultancy the most important thing is that the views expressed by me during this podcast are my own and do not represent the company I work for so again all of this is personal capacity and not in a work capacity so without further delay Let's start with episode two uh, and talk about the creation of the international policy and numbering bodies, which are currently based in the United States. Uh, some of them do have offices all over the world, but the majority of the actual bodies themselves are based in the US. Uh, these bodies control the policy creation. And over the next and next week, uh, we'll also look at the voluntary community based groups who help set the policy for the domain name industry. So. Let's start off with ICANN. Um, ICANN stands for the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Uh, and it was founded officially in 1998. It was created because the US government, which used to control the internet governance due to its involvement in the creation of the internet, referred to in, uh, in, in the history of domains that I did in the last sector, uh, last podcast, I should say. Um, and they promised to transfer the policy and technical management of the DNS, that's a domain name system, to a non-profit corporation based in the US with global participation. When this body was created, it was actually very small. So in 1998, when it came into existence, uh, it had limited funds to function correctly. Uh, and at the time, you know, a couple of the meetings that took place, it had to rely on donations from the early members to get the group uh, going and to have their meetings, etc. One of the main tasks of ICANN is the creation of and compliance of policies uh, around domain names. So that's the creation and the functionality of domain names. They're also involved in the technical awareness and creation of the numbering system. Uh, the numbering system is the internet protocol addresses or IP addresses which govern the internet and how websites, email, etc., communicate with us, the users. So when you go to a browser, enter in a domain name, the domain name system then looks at the IP addresses, so the uh, internet protocol addresses, and that determines where you are sent as a user. So that determines what website you go to, what error messages you might get, what content you might be able to view. And that's the same when it comes to email. So when you send an email, an email is sent to another server. That server has IP addresses associated with it. And that then determines whether the email that you've sent to that server is acceptable or not. 
Uh, so you might get a bounce back message or, or whatever might happen. Um, also applications. So simple things like uh, iPhone applications or Google uh, or Android, I should say, applications. All of those things are governed by IP addresses as well. So an interesting side note uh, is that ICANN only governs the policy for the generic top-level domains or GTLDs. Um, these are made up of normally domain names, for example, uh, .com, .biz, .info, etc., as well as new GTLDs, which are now well completely referred to as GTLDs, which were created in the 2012 application round. So, for example, you have .club, which is an open TLD. You have .microsoft, which is a brand TLD, so it's closed and only usable by Microsoft. Uh, .store, for example, or .shop. Um, there are also uh, city-based ones, like .london, where I am, .wales and Cymru, uh, .brussels, .flandern, etc. Um, one part of the domain name sector that ICANN does not control, and this is very important, is the country code domain names. Um, now, country code domain names are referred to as CCTLDs, so country code top-level domains. As these are country codes, they are generally governed by the governments for a region. Um, the government may sell the rights on of their uh, two-letter country code to a private enterprise. So, for example, .co for Colombia, uh, .tv for Tuvula, Tuvula. Uh, and there are other examples that are country codes that have been used for uh, by you know by publicly traded companies or for pri by, by, by private companies. Um, and then you have your traditional country codes like .uk for the United Kingdom, .de for Germany, uh, .kz for uh, Kazakhstan, and you know all sorts of other ones. .is for Iceland, .us for the USA, etc. Now. I can, along with the community that I referred to earlier, um, decide on the regulation uh, regulations governing domain names, uh, as well as regulations governing registries. Now, registries are the GTLDs, contractual owners. So, for example, .com is owned by an organization called Verisign, and they have a contract with ICANN. Um, there's also registrars. So these are the people that sell domain names onto the general public, such as yourselves. Uh, so for example, GoDaddy, um, you know, they, they are a registrar uh, that sell domain names. They happen to be the biggest registrar in the world uh, and they sell domain names to the general public. Um, I will be dealing with members of the community uh, in more uh, detail in the next episode, which will be a part two of what we're doing today. The communities work, or should I say, try and work, and, and, and try and get a bottom-up consensus. So in other words, all the policies are driven from the bottom upwards. So the community decides what the policies are. That then gets passed up the chain to the ICANN board who then implement uh, the, the the actual policies that have been decided um, and the way that these communities create policy or talk about the policy is through a thing called a working group or WG um, that's what they were coming to refer to or a PDP 
PDWG, a Policy Development Process Working Group. You'll notice that the ICANN environment is made up of a massive number of acronyms. Um, and I apologize ahead of schedule because I might uh, accidentally use an acronym without actually giving its full name uh, or full meaning uh, before I use it. Uh, but I will try and explain each acronym in as clearly and precise manner as possible. So the PDP helps draft and create the registry and registrar's contracts. But at the end of the day, ICANN, as the governing body, is responsible for all the compliance of these contracts. Um, as the contracts are held between ICANN and the registries and the registrars. Then uh, the ICANN board is, uh, it will, will actually appoint a CEO of the ICANN uh, company. This is currently held by a guy called uh, Goran Marby, uh, and he comes from Sweden. Uh, he lives in the US now, but uh, he's originally from uh, uh, Sweden. And the ICANN company uh, actually does, you know, runs the actual day-to-day -day business. It's a non-for-profit, but they run the day-to-day -day business. All registries and registrars pay ICANN uh, fees um, to run their various businesses. And this is what keeps ICANN running and functioning. So these fees are payable in a multitude of ways. Uh, I'll be covering this at a later stage, but I'll just give you a quick overview. So for example, registries uh, pay ICANN a yearly fee as well as a per transaction fee. So in other words, per registration fee. Whereas registrars pay the registries a fee so whatever the registry sets the fee for that particular uh, TLD. Um, and they also pay ICANN a fee um, based on however many names they register during the course of a, a, a given period. Um, another interesting point is that I, the, the ICANN community actually comes together three times a year uh, at large conference centers, uh, conference centers uh, all over the world. Um, but as you know, as we were going through a pandemic, uh, COVID, um, these meetings have not taken place since uh, 2019, which was in Montreal. Um, and these meetings have now been uh, held over Zoom, um, these group meetings. Um, and these meetings, the purpose of these meetings really is for, for the community to get together to talk about the PDPs or working groups that they're working on to talk about technical topics uh, and also, you know, talking about what is the most important uh, thing that's happening within the internet at this particular moment in time. There are other other um, events that take place during the course of the year. There are other conferences, etc. And every week, um, the communities, uh, depending on which part of the community you're in, They'll have a weekly call with each other just to talk about you know stuff that's going on within that particular community. So there are a couple of main topics um, that are that are being discussed at the moment. One of them is when should the next round of GTLD applications take place? So the last one took place in 2012, um, and now there's a working. Uh, so now they need to look at how the application process may differ from the 2012 one um, and this this is something that's ongoing at the moment um, I'll be talking about this again a little bit further down um, and so another topic which is 
quite a contentious topic, uh, and it's one that's been around for, for a little bit of time now, is referring to content. How, you know, how, is, um, how is content governed? So some parts of the community want the registries and registrars to be responsible, and the registries and re registrars do not want, you know, aren't necessarily the correct parties to be responsible for content. Um, one of the downsides of forcing registries and registrars to become content uh, monitors or uh, police, if you want to call it that, is that you could res the, the cost of a new GTL of a GTLD or a, a domain name might actually go up because they will have to cover the legal uh, costs and also be uh, up to speed with all local uh, law. Uh, with regards content etc um, the other side of the equation says that you know the registries and registrars should have uh, complete control uh, of this uh, I'll be doing a separate episode on this particular topic at a later stage another body that was uh, created um, is called IANA which stands for Internet Assigned Numbers Authority now back in the day there was a guy called John Pastel uh, he's unfortunately passed away, um, but he was the—he had a little black book, and he was the original recorder of socket numbers. Now, socket numbers are the combination of IP addresses and port numbers associated. Um, and at the time, uh, John Postel was at uh, ARPANET, which I spoke about last week, um, and he put this book together. And then IANA was created, uh, and they manage the coordination of the domain name system. So that's referred to as DNS. So that includes DNS root management of IP addresses and other internet protocol resources. IANA takes input from the ICANN community as well as the Internet Engineering Task Force or as it's commonly referred to as the IETF, the Internet Engineering Steering Group and the Internet Architecture Board. Um, these, this, all of these groupings are actually extremely technical and are specialists in the sector in this particular sector of the internet um, IANA's stewardship transition so this is the movement from the US government to part of being part of ICANN took place in October 2016 uh, and this this was a long process there were a lot of working groups PDPs and all sorts of other discussions that took place between the community um, uh, and, and deciding on how this particular function will be controlled by ICANN. So basically what this means is that I, the IANA, the IANA function, is no longer under the direct control of the U.S. Department of Commerce. Um, IANA was created under the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, uh, or NTIA, white paper. Uh, it, was, it was taken away from the U.S. government as was seen as a world resource and not a single country resource. So you could imagine other countries in the world would be going, well, hold on a second. Why, why is the U.S. in control of this particular function? So it's now become a more uh, multi-global um, setup. I am a, now, the piece I'm going to go into now is actually extremely technical. So I do apologize ahead of schedule, uh, but bear with me. Um, IANA looks after the following areas, um, and these areas are as follows. IP addresses. So IANA coordinates the global pool of IP numbers 
and autonomous system numbers uh, or ASN as they are referred to which are assigned in address box address blocks to the five regional internet registries now these internet registries are not your traditional domain name registries they are the IP address numbers uh, registries there are currently two types of IP addresses one's called an IPv4 that's been around for a very long time and a relatively new one called IPv6 so the new IPv6 standard allows for more a significant increase I should say in IP addresses that can be generated because the IPv4 addresses are finite and they've actually come to an end effectively I mean there aren't that many that are available for for general public consumption uh, domain names so IANA operates and coordinates the control of the central root zone of the domain name system so that that looks at uh, top-level domains second-level domains and subdomains and um, IANA also manages the database now this is actually very important and this is something that you as an individual can actually go and have a look at IANA manages a database uh, which lists all top-level domains okay so that's CCTLDs and GTLDs um, and it also has uh, uh, .int, int uh, and .arpa uh, under its reserve um, these are both inter intergovernmental and technical infrastructure organizations um, protocol parameters so IANA along with the IETF uh, manage the numbers and designations for, for internet protocols for IP so some of the common parameters are port numbers so these are the port numbers which are assigned for data packages um, so for example if you're receiving a mail an email uh, it will always be forwarded via port 25 okay so that number is reserved purely for emails port 80 is always used for surfing the internet so whenever you go to a browser or your favorite website or whatever um, you're going through port 80. Uh, IANA also manages uh, the registered ports 1024 all the way through to 49,151 which can be used freely by programs and applications without needing special rights or special permission. Uh, another thing that IANA also looks after uh, and in conjunction with the IETF is HTTP status codes so um, when you enter in a request into a, into a browser or trying to go to a website you're gonna get a, a, a response back you don't see this response but this goes on in the background um, and some of these three-digit codes are things like 404 not found which means the page that you're looking for cannot be found code 403 for example um, this means that that particular website you're trying to get to is forbidden so that might be because your IP address isn't on a list of approved IP addresses or uh, a law enforcement agency has identified that this is a bad actor okay uh, and finally IANA also looks after the uh, time zone database um, but this is uh, this is purely to do with um, the internet itself um, so this is not Greenwich Mean Time this is actually to do with the internet time zones okay now I appreciate I went through that quite quickly and and this is a very technical uh, section so 
if you want to have any questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to me or even do a web search for IANA and its functions. Um, okay, we're almost at the end. Uh, we're going to look at the GAC next. Now, the GAC is the Government Advisory Committee. Um, and they are made up of all the UN-recognized countries in the world. So all the countries in the world are part of the GAC. Not all countries attend or are represented on the GAC, but they have the opportunity to be on the GAC. The GAC, at the end of the day, gives governmental input into, into the domain name policy. Uh, so that's mainly to do with the GTLDs uh, and not as much as to do with the CCTLDs because governments control CCTLDs. Um, the GAC also represents certain UN accredited bodies Okay, so not just countries, but also UN accredited body, bodies. So an example of that would be WIPO, which is the World Intellectual Property Organization. Uh, WIPO deals with uh, intellectual property complaints and disputes with regards to domain names. The GAC also represents uh, and has representatives from the Public Safety Working Group, or as they commonly refer to as the PSWG. So these represent the police and other public safety groups. Um, yeah, the GAC, just as a quick description of their structure, the GAC has a chairman and two vice chairmen uh, or chairpersons, and they stand outside the ICANN community because they're governments. So governments can't really be part of the community, but they stand outside the government uh, community, but they, their input is extremely valuable. Uh, so they are an advisory committee, but the input is extremely valuable. The next piece is there's referred to as the GNSO or the Generic Names Supporting Organization. This is made up of representatives from the community. Okay, so this is the internet community and they determine policy development tracts. So what will be looked at going forward from a PDP or a working group perspective. Um, they set up all the working groups, the PDPs, etc. Those come back to them with whatever the input might be. They, uh, the GNSO will then vote on this. And then depending on how the vote goes, it either goes back to the working group for clarification or alternatively, it gets passed and they're sent onto the ICANN board who will then ins uh, uh, instruct the ICANN company through the CEO to implement or create whatever the policy is that has been decided upon. Um, the GNS work, GNSO's work is extremely important uh, as each group has representation on this GNSO. So each community member, a community group has representation on this, uh, on this group and everyone wants to have their, you know, their viewpoints heard, uh, etc. So it does make for an interesting uh, environment uh, because there's quite a few conflicting uh, uh, advice that comes in and there's conflicting views on, on, on topics. But the, the thing about ICANN is that it's, a, as I've mentioned before, it's a bottom-up stakeholder community consensus-based process. So although all you have all these groups with different viewpoints, they try and come to a centralized conclusion or consensus and that is how the working groups work. Um, another, so one of the main topics at the moment is around the subsequent procedures uh, working group or sub pro working group. 
and this refers to the 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 potential for the next round of GTLD applications. Um, that group has been working for quite a few years now. Uh, it's completed its work, and this has been passed on to the GNSO, who will now deliberate on on this before passing its recommendations on to ICANN. Um, another important major body is referred to as the ESAC, or the Security and Stability Advisory Committee. Like the GAC, it's an advisory committee. Um, so it's made up of members from the community that are extremely technically orientated. Um, and they advise the ICANN board and the community on matters relating to security and integrity of the internet's naming and address allocation system. Uh, so as I say, they are the same as the GAC. This includes uh, operational matters, you know, manage, uh, matters pertaining to the correct and reliable operation of the root name system, admin matters, so matters to uh, pertaining to the IP address allocation and internet number assignments, registration matters, maintaining to registry and registrar services such as the WHOIS. Uh, the ESAC also engages in uh, ongoing threat assessment and risk analysis. So it's a very important part of the ICANN infrastructure in that it provides an extremely important service with regard security and stability of the internet. That way we all were able to go to websites and send email, etc. cetera. Uh, the ESAC group uh, produces reports, correspondence, and also comments on a very wide range of topics. Um, but the reports are focused mainly on providing information, recommendation, and advice on technical uh, security, stability, and reliability issues to the ICANN board. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the ESSEC undertakes ongoing risk analysis to identify uh, a prioritized list of topics for their work. Um, so yeah, very important uh, part of the internet infrastructure um, sector. So, wow. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for, for uh, listening to today's podcast. We've come to the end of this particular section. There will be a part two and maybe a part three regarding uh, ICANN and the community. Um, I, I am aware that today's topics that were covered were, they varied in complexity, uh, technical, etc. And I have tried to keep it as simple as possible, uh, but some of the stuff is actually quite technical. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying the podcast so far, and I look forward to doing part two of the ICANN uh, community discussion piece next week. Um, but just to say, stay safe, always remain positive, and help those who may be struggling during these extraordinary times. Speak to you next week, everyone. Have a great day.